This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, remember what I said to temper your expectations? Well, here we are at the end of a weekend of... uh, Disappointing Devils games, to say the least, as the Devils fall to 6-5-2 and two after losses to the Buffalo Sabres and Washington Capitals on this Saturday and Sunday. And here to break down these games on this episode of Garden State of Hockey is my co-host, John Fisher, and I'm Dan Roselle. And John, I'm really annoyed. As you should be. Um with greater expectations and greater hopes come greater disappointments and greater frustrations. Yeah, 10,000 foot view is that, you know, you lose a game to the Sabres. Okay, that's karmically you give one back after beating the Bruins a couple times, so on and so forth. I can see it. Uh, you lose to the Capitals. That's not unexpected. Both one goal losses. And from a 10,000 mile vantage point, it seems like it's not too terrible of a. Uh, you know, it's not the worst thing to have two one-goal losses back-to-back, but the manner in which they happened was especially the frustrating part. As, yes. you know, th- the approach they took to get there was so heavily indicting of the special teams process that the Devils have right now, and so heavily skewed against any sort of results going their way if they continue to have their special teams play like this. I cannot emphasize enough how much this weekend was about floundering special teams and how disappointing they have been for a team that has been pretty respectable in five-on-five play. And we can start with the Buffalo game on Saturday as one thing led to another. The Devils just fell out to a 3-0 deficit. And this is a point where... You know, in the first period, the Sabres get a really early goal via Colin Miller um, on a rush that the Devils were not prepared for, and they never seem prepared for on their matinee games. But uh, it happens that way. And this is all coming after Nico Heischer was named captain and put back in the lineup, so you'd expect them to have some decent results, but no. After that first period, Buffalo kept pressing. They scored another goal, um, another goal later on in the second period as... They just, you know, it's a combination of the special teams and the face-offs that have really buried the Devils these last couple of games. Almost every goal is either coming from a point shot that's deflected on the way in after a lost face-off in the defensive zone or on the penalty kill. They have let up so many goals in the penalty kill, and Buffalo's third goal was on that penalty kill as well, as the Devils entered the third period trailing three to nothing. And when I say, you know, these goals... These were not goals that Blackwood could do anything about since they came from distance, were deflected on the way in, and also came at a uh, five-on-four disadvantage for the third one. 
And you'd think that the Devils would kind of just let that game die out, but because they've proven themselves resilient over the start of the season, they managed to stay in this game and actually get back two goals in the third period en route to a disappointing loss after they hit another post that could have tied the game, and they got a big stop against and a big block against in the last couple of seconds, as the theme of that game against the Sabres was block shots. The Devils could not get anything to the net. Offensively, you know, the the things that manifested in the third period came after so much effort, and after trailing 3 nothing, you can't really play one period and expect to win. And that's... That's the kind of theme we were taking from Saturday to Sunday. I think it was very clear that for the first 40 minutes of the Buffalo Sabres game, the Devils had absolutely nothing. And they really poured it on in the last 20 to the point where they were about one excellent save by Olmark on Pavel Zaka away from tying the game, and also one Severson post from tying the game as well. And so we go into today's game against Washington, where, again, as a reminder... They've let up a couple of goals off of deflections against Buffalo. They've let up a power play goal against, as usual. And now they go into Washington and do all the same things again. However, this time, they did it when they were in front first. Yeah, in in some ways, the Washington... Well, actually, I'm going to say this up front. This game today, as we're recording, against the Washington Capitals um, is a worse game primarily because the Devils did get a two-goal lead, came very close to making it a 3-1 lead early in the third period, and then proceeded to melt down in what was ultimately a 4-3 loss. Uh, The third goal was scored with 11 seconds left. So, I mean, for all practical purposes, the Devils really lost the game 4-2. Nikita Gusev just got a consolation goal. First and foremost, the game time was pushed up, which was a surprise um, because yesterday's on Saturday's game, they had uh, the first of two outdoors games in Lake Tahoe. And the NHL was basically denied by Mother Nature, yeah, as I'll call it, from playing that game properly in the afternoon between Las Vegas and Colorado. The sun was um, out and about, and um, because the temperature wasn't as cold as anticipated, the ice was literally melting on the players. So they had to push that game out to 9 p.m. Pacific time, making it midnight Eastern time. So most people here on the East Coast did not get to see that game in full. And more importantly and relevant to what we're talking about is that the the NHL decided to move the Boston-Philadelphia game that was going to be on at 2.30 and move it to 7.30, which meant the Devils game against the Capitals, which was scheduled for 7.30, was pushed up to 2 o'clock at NBC, on NBC, which meant it actually started at 2.30 because the concept of time at NBC is always 30 minutes later than you yeah. think. So the game got pushed up. Now, benefit for the Devils is that Washington also played a bad game on Saturday afternoon. They lost to our hated rivals 4-1, and from all accounts on the Washington side of things, they were just sloppy as expected. And it looked that way for the first 10 minutes of this game, where the Devils were dominant. They held the Capitals to zero shots on net, and the Devils had a functional power play unit and scored a goal, Mm -hmm. a nice little turnaround goal by Andreas Janssen. And while the Capitals controlled most of the um, remaining part of the first period, the Devils managed to kill a penalty, which was remarkable. And they did well killing it, too. This was the only penalty that they did well on the entire game. Exactly. This was their only successful penalty kill. Uh, I'm, I'm spoiling it already. 
Um, the sadness is about to come. Mm-hmm. And early on in the second period, you know, Washington has an early push, and then, you know, a three-on-two counterattack gets snuffed out partially because Garnet Hathaway decides passing it back to Nick Dow to deny the three-on-two was a good idea. The 14 extra pounds of muscle of Jack Hughes allowed him to get the stick lift, win the puck, start a three-on-one coming back. And for Hughes to power ahead of Dowd, Janssen feeds it to Hughes, and it's 2 nothing. And, you know, Pierre Maguire is going on about the entire biography of Jack Hughes so far as he praises the man, appropriately so. And then we got to see what the Capitals would eventually do for the remainder of this afternoon, which is take a wide-open shot from 35 to 60 feet away, have a whole bunch of traffic in front of Arundel making his season debut, and hope for the best. And the Capitals were remarkably accurate with their shots, whereas the New Jersey Devils decided, we're going to wing some shots on net at Craig Anderson, also making his season debut, except we're going to miss the net. And as such, in five-on-five play, the Devils managed to attempt 19 shots but only get four on net, whereas the Capitals attempted 22 shots and 14 of them got on net. And worse, the Devils had a power play, faltered remarkably on it, and then conceded a power play shortly thereafter. And then within seconds of that power play, it's now 2-1. Yeah, and I, I don't want to like take away from Craig Anderson because when he did get called upon to make some safe say, he definitely was present and made them. He did. Uh, he, he, had did a, he did his job. Yeah, he had a pretty good game by all accounts. And Dell, you know, for a lot of those goals against, he wasn't primarily to blame i mean it wasn't the most stable goaltending performance you'll see but i don't think he was egregiously at fault for any of the goals allowed but no you know uh, a lot of devils fans are going to point to this game including myself and point to the moment where palmary or no when Votnin took that penalty that the devils would eventually get scored upon during um and see that he let his stick go and panic held on to it to get a call yep. from the refs that yep. could be true Ponick later it on is. in the game, well, well I just want to like reemphasize this point here that Ponick later on in the game held back Palmieri, Palmieri retaliated, Devils got a penalty, got scored on. Now Ponick twice was not seen taking a penalty, but the point remains that even when the penalties are imbalanced that way, your penalty kill cannot be guaranteed goals against. You're going to get Correct. some sort of calls that seem unjust and unfair throughout the course of the season. It happens to every team. It happens in every game at least once or twice. The point is that when it does happen to you, you have to be able to shrug it off and not just guaranteed allow a goal every single opportunity. And it was almost the same goal all three times on the power play. Well, technically not. Well, the, but, twice out of three. But your point, but your point remains, Dan, is that yes, maybe Vatnin got jobbed on the call, but I would argue to say there's a reason why pan- players do this. It's not just Panic that does this. Other players do this. This is what we call drawing a penalty. Oh, I'm not saying like Panic uh, specifically. I'm just saying that like he yeah. was just involved both times, but he did the smart thing and you know, correct. Trick the refs. But that being said, yeah, exactly. But your stick is not supposed to be wrapped around the dude's torso to begin with. And that's, that's, you know, what the ref is going to say. Every and time. when it is called, and you have with, to be with... able to respond. Exactly. And the sad thing is that the devils were actually seconds away from, uh, killing that penalty. Mm-hmm. The first one, uh, the Vatnin penalty, the devils were doing a fairly good job until a point shot from John Carlson, and TJ Oshi tipped it down and credit to credit to Oshi, you know, that's the sort of t- 
he he had the sort of deflection that almost makes you think, was that stick too high? But he did a very good job keeping his stick not too high, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. And I tipped it down, it goes, and it's 2-1. Now, I will gr- credit the Devils a bit to say they did respond a little bit better in the run of play since that goal. But the challenge is, again, it goes back to those missed shots I was talking about. You know, Brat does, Brat, Jesper Brat had an entire game of this where he looked fantastic skating up until he had to shoot the puck and then just winged it 10 feet wide of the net, giving it effectively back to the Capitals. Mm-hmm. That does not help you. And, you know, the Devils did a very good job trying to limit those medium danger chances. But again, the story of the game for Washington from the second period onward was Carlson, Dylan, Orlov, name a defenseman on, on, on the Capitals. They're going to have time and space to just wing it into traffic and hope they get a bounce. And um, and ultimately, it cost the Devils because the Devils weren't able to make the same challenges on Anderson to force Washington to play as much defense as New Jersey did. So the Capitals kept racking up the shot count to the Devils not doing so. And... You know, outside of a couple shifts in the third period, eventually the Capitals find the equalizer, which a lot of Devils fans responded with. It was a long time coming, and it came from the umpteenth point shot of the game for the Capitals. Mm-hmm. It was probably the 50th or something. Carlson just wings it in through traffic, and, uh, you know, Dell had no chance at it. It's 2-2, and then the Devils decide shortly thereafter, I'm gonna, I'm Kyle Palmieri. I'm just going to grab Panic mm-hmm. behind the play. Now, in the replay, you could have argued that Hathaway should have been getting given a penalty for just dumping Brat or dumping Janssen. I couldn't I couldn't make out which devil it was. Oh, yeah. It was on the near side of the broadcast. But those haven't been called all I, year against the Devils. No. And to be fair, and this, Dan, I, I'm going to save this stat to blow your mind after we talk about this okay. game. Because I'm going to blow your mind with this stat. Okay. It's going to make you mad. I'm already mad, so we'll see. <laughs> anyway, but... Palmieri takes the holding call. Yes, Panic drew it, but it was a stupid thing for Palmieri to do. It, the puck wasn't involved. It was behind the play. It was an open ice, so the referee had a clear look at it. And again, the Devils did a fairly good job of trying to kill this penalty. They were seconds away from killing it off until Mikhail Maltsev decides, I'm just going to try to joust at TJ Oshie in the, in the slot, despite the fact that the penalty kill system the Devils have been running for the better part of the last six seasons is defined specifically to not let the guy in the slot have a shot on net. Yeah, my first reaction to that third goal was, how do you leave a guy open there? Correct. That was my fir- the first words out of my mouth watching that was, how is he so open there? And it's unbelievable that you get a pretty much seeing eye... Sh- it's not even a seeing eye shot. It's a point-blank shot from the slot with no opposition as the puck is moving. So yeah, Dell, again, had no chance at it. Oh, she's left no. alone in front, and that guy can score goals. Anybody will score. There's a reason why this system, the tri- the wedge plus one, is centered around the slot. Because the slot is the highest place where goals are scored in this league. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to defend it. You're supposed to defend that with your life. That's why the 1-3-1 is, was developed by Washington, of all teams, to counteract that, to force the, op- the, force the penalty kill to open up the middle just by puck movement. And... Sure enough, it worked, and Maltsev is probably going to get a trip back to the taxi squad for that because that was just horrendous from him. And now it's two to three, and then the Devils are pushing. They're trying to make something happen. They get a late power play because Zed Nochara finally got called for interference for the first time this game, Mm -hmm. and the only time in this game, despite committing it at least seven times. Uh, But the Devils' power play looked competent, but they needed a goal. So they didn't get a goal. And then 
a couple minutes later, Murray decides, I'm going to take the most obvious tripping call possible to the point where he literally threw his head back and yelled a word I can't say on this mm -hmm. podcast because he knew he messed up. And then case in point, back to the faceoffs and yet again, the penalty kill. Face-off loss, right to Oshie. Oshie to Ovechkin on Dell's flank. You know, you don't have to be Alexander Ovechkin to score that goal. My out-of-shape body could have scored that goal if I was in that spot and that wide open. Four to four to two, that's game. Yeah, he was standing there and, completely and, alone, and it's Alexander Ovechkin, the guy who, I don't know, might go down as the best goal scorer in NHL history, uh, standing completely unimpeded in a one-goal game. I know they just let up two goals in the third period to suddenly find themselves trailing, but you're still within one shot of tying the game. You can't just forget yep. your defensive assignments when that happens, and it proves a brutal backbreaker because at some point in the game, after Ovechkin scores maybe one of the easiest goals of his illustrious career, the Devils managed to get one goal back with 11 seconds left that at that point was more a moral victory because it was Gusev who scored, and that's probably a nice confidence booster for him. It's his first of the season. First of the yeah. season, yeah. There's a lot of you know good from that happening, but despite it being a one-goal game at that point, it didn't have to be if you didn't leave Ovechkin alone in front. And more importantly, you, it goes back to if you won the faceoff, you wouldn't have to worry mm -hmm. about that one. And more importantly, if Murray didn't take this stupid tripping penalty. And now I'm going to get to the stat that's going to make you mad. Oh, boy. Dan? How many times do you think the Devils have been shorthanded? Oh, this I know season? what the stat is already, so this is an unfair question. <laughs> the Devils have been shorthanded 38 times this season, which is actually the second fewest in the entire NHL. Now, granted, the Devils have only played. Um, actually, I have to update that number. Yeah, is that before or after? Number showing me it's 41. I'm sorry. 42 times. It's. I'm sorry. I apologize, everyone. It's 42 times. So they're tied with the Islanders and the Columbus Blue Jackets for the second fewest in the NHL mm -hmm. right now. And granted, the Devils have only played 13 games, which is the fewest in the league. So, yes, by per game rate, they're probably a little higher up. But the point is, is that the Devils have actually been one of the more disciplined teams in the league. But the point here is that they've given up 14 power play goals. 17 now. 17 now, which is now actually tied for second, tied with somehow St. Louis and somehow Ottawa for the second most. Our, our friends in Nashville have... Uh, conceded the most power play goals, but they've also been shorthanded 60 times. So the devil's penalty killing rate is a now terrible. It's 59.6%. It's not even 60% in a league where league league median is 80%. 59.6%. Correct. And, and this is the thing that frustrates me the most, Dan, is because, yes, I know the devils don't have Andy Green, but Andy Green was declining as a player. Like, like it's not like... Blake Coleman was 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 gone, but the Devils' penalty kill of the past two, three seasons wasn't just Green and Coleman doing everything. Mm -hmm. Zaka was a legitimately elite penalty killer. P.K. Subban was surprisingly effective on the penalty kill last season. Severson played a lot next to Green on those shifts. Zajac, who is now back with the team and just played his 1,000th game with the organization, becoming the fourth Devil to do so, has been a penalty kill, you know, lifer. You know, you have guys that can play this system. And they brought back the same exact assistant head coach in Elaine Nazardine, primarily because of the penalty kill system and primarily because it was the one good thing about last season's team. And somehow they go from being one of the better penalty kills in the entire NHL to legitimately, undeniably, without question, the worst 
in the NHL by a mile. And by, a, <laughs> by a mile, like it's not it's not going to be one of those things where oh you kill three penalties and you'll be back up to twenty fifth. No, it's going to take it's going to take almost a month of a decent penalty kill before the Devils can get to anywhere close to seventy percent at this point. Yep. And and this is the frustrating fact here is the fact that. The Devils are sitting now at six five and two, which, all things considered, ahead of the season, if you told me it was six five and two by thirteen games, you'd probably go, okay, it's not perfect, but hey, it could be a lot worse. This team could have won this game with a half decent penalty kill. They could have won the Buffalo game with a half decent mm-hmm. penalty kill. They could have had an easier end to the Boston win with a half decent penalty Rangers kill. Rangers win. They could have. The Rangers win would have been easier. They they like, knew that they couldn't take a penalty or they get scored on, and that was the one game where they actually didn't take one, and the run of play um, reflected it. Exactly. Like, that's the frustrating thing. Like, the weird thing is that the power play, say, okay, as frustrating as the power play has been at times, they did get a goal in each day. Mm-hmm. So we can't say the power play is the worst. We just can't. No. It could be better, but, it, but it's not. It's also worst. not empirically the worst like the penalty kill. No, but the penalty kill is legitimately a disaster. And I'm at the point where I almost would say, if you were to tell me Nazardine needs to go, I would almost have to say, I can't argue against that. Yeah. I literally can't. Definitely. And, and and again, the mind-boggling thing is, yes, I understand you don't have Green. I, I understand you don't have Coleman. I guess if you want to be a real troll, you can say you don't have Kevin Rooney anymore, even though nobody really misses Kevin Rooney. Um, but you have enough personnel returning the system is a fairly common system. It's not like the Devils are doing something so exotic and obscure that, you know, you have to take months to learn how to play this penalty kill. Uh, you know, it's a very common penalty kill format against the one three one formation that most of the NHL runs, like the Washington Capitals and like Buffalo and like every other team they've played against. And the Devils just manage to blow it just completely. And it, we can't even say it's bad luck. You look at the raw rates at natural stat trick, and the Devils are among the worst in terms of allowing shots and allowing shooting attempts and scoring chances. It's a broken system by players that legitimately know how to do that much better in five on five. It is more disappointing because that is the main reason that they're losing all the games that they're losing. And this is so frustrating when you see all these one goal games because, you know, like I said, before the season started, we're looking at process over results for the most part, but the results are still really nice. And when they were coming, they felt pretty good. And I'm sure they felt good for the young team that was still getting used to winning like this. However, if your penalty kill is just going to let you down every single game, this is, this isn't, you know, endemic at this point for the devils. They have not done anything to try and change or adjust their structure. They just consistently look as out of sorts on the power play as they do on the penalty kill. But on the power play, they occasionally, you know, have an extra guy so they can score a goal every once in a while. On the penalty kill, they just look like they have no idea what they're supposed to be doing out there. And teams pass around them with such ease that it's a miracle that they're not 42 for 42 in goals allowed. Right. And, and adding further to the frustration is that for the first time this weekend, for the first time all season, Dan... Mm-hmm. The Devils have a 100% full-strength lineup. Yep. You know, nobody's on the COVID list. Nico Heischer was the last one to come off the list, and he played on Saturday. You know, Travis Zajac, who was on the list the longest, he came back in return. And again, he played his 1,000th game just uh, today on Sunday. So congratulations again to him. And I can understand. And, you know, Gusev was available to come back, so and he returned to action on, on set Sunday as well. You know, you're at a point where now Ruff has the – quote unquote, good problem of having to figure out which players 
to sort in and sort out. But unfortunately for Ruff and unfortunately for the Devils, some of those guys, some of those younger guys are making good cases to be taken off. In the, in the Buffalo game, it was clearly Yegor Sharangovich, mm. who was a and – and again, I'm looking at the five-on-five five numbers here. You know, when he was on the ice, the Devils were out-attempted 1-15 to 15 and outshot 0-9. to nine. Like, that's just heinous. Yeah. You know, you know, he was appropriately removed to the uh, taxi squad and replaced by Maltsev for Sunday. And Maltsev, he went out there, and while he was not as catastrophically awful as, uh, as um, Mr. Uh, – Sharon Govich was his special teams play was an absolute nightmare and he didn't do a real whole lot at five on five to help stem the tide. If anything, he, he kind of fit like a odd duck next to Zajac and Gusev. Um, and the sat, the even sadder thing about this is that, you know, we've been saying, you know, imagine this team with Heischer, imagine this team with Zajac back, imagine this team with Gusev. Well, now you've got all these guys back mm-hmm. and you have two straight losses. And I, I'm not trying to pin the losses on Zajac or Heischer or Gusev. Cause I understand they're coming back from COVID. They're coming back from injury. It's going to take time for them to get sharp. Mm. It's going to take it's going to take time for them to get into form, so to speak. But at the same time, these guys are important players for the team, <laughs> and as such, the expectations are understandably higher. And you need them to get sharp and be able to get them to contribute. And unfortunately, this weekend they were largely anonymous players, which is unfortunate. Yeah, and on that point, like. I know that those guys haven't gotten to, you know, we said that there wouldn't be full practice anymore, but they haven't even gotten to practice period with the team uh, since their respective illnesses are out on the list. So there's maybe some, you know, I'm sure they've been made aware of all the game planning, but it's different when you hit the ice and practice certain things as opposed to when you, you know, are seeing them on film, obviously. And so, you know, we'll see, you know, I'm not too concerned with Heischer and Zajac getting back to speed um, eventually. And, in terms of positives, Kyle Palmieri has found his scoring touch um, that was very misplaced. Gusev finally got a goal. Uh, Subban probably played one of the better games he's played this year uh, against Washington. And that those are all positive things. And I think another positive thing is that there's not one specific player who you can put the blame on, which means that to some extent, everyone is pulling some amount of weight. But Really, right. the it's the units that have been bad. The special teams have been so abysmal, and especially the penalty kill that, while you can't blame one player, you sure can blame all of them that participate in that unit specifically. Oh, absolutely. And you should. You should. It is a collective failure. It, it, if it was as simple as take – I'm just going to pick a random name here. If you take Brat off the penalty kill, your penalty kill will somehow be good again. Like, it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. It just isn't. And the only – unqualified positive to this whole weekend of games. And this is true for the whole season is that the Damon Severson, Ty Smith pairing continues to be dynamite. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about them. Maybe perhaps, perhaps because these games are, you know, Sunday's game in Washington was in Washington. So it's not like rough could shelter them all that much, but whenever they were on the ice, the devils were kicking the crap out of the other team in five on Mm -hmm. five. Like sick. We're talking 60% Corsi's here. We're talking, you know, expect, expected goals of well above 50 and 60%. And, you know, unfortunately it was just with that pairing, everybody else suffered to a degree. Um, you know, but to your point, Dan, is that, yeah, the special teams collective failures on the penalty kill have killed this team in both of these games. Had you had a decent power, a penalty kill, just a decent one, not a good one, a decent one. You probably get some wins. Mm-hmm. 
you probably win one of these two games, maybe, or, or take them to overtime even. And maybe if you lost them in overtime, you go, Hey, you got some points. Yep. You got a result. You can feel good about that. And that's, and that's unfortunately the one real challenge with a schedule like the devils have from now until the rest of the season is that when you lose two games and you lose them in the way you do, morale can drop real fast and you can start spinning out of control really, really fast. And unfortunately for the devils, they'll get to play Buffalo and Washington for the remainder of this month. Yep. So it's not like the, the opposition is going to say, oh, man, I don't know what we're going to do about them. They know exactly what they need to do to the New Jersey Devils to beat them. Don't be surprised if Washington on Saturday, the 27th, decides, you know what, Carlson, Dylan, uh, Orlov, you know what? Take 30 attempts today. Yeah. <laughs> Just take 30 attempts. Get some shots through. Oshie and Ovechkin will clean them up. Backstrom will make a killer pass at one point, And, hey, we're going to win the game easily. Yep. Like, that's the game plan. Like, Write, write it down in pen. That's going to be their game plan. And for Buffalo, they know full well that uh, they can catch the Devils on their heels and um, they can be stout enough to deny them a comeback like they did on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and again, this is the kind of consequence you get, and this is where you test your coaching to see how you make adjustments against these teams. And the Devils have had... Um, mixed results against Buffalo this season and historically over the last couple of seasons, very bad results against Washington. So we'll see how they do playing against them for the rest of the month. And it's not to take away from all the good that did come out of this weekend. Nico Heischer is back. He is the captain. Um, he got a nice little video note from the other captains in devil's history, which is really cool for him. And it's something that a lot of the fans expected and were kind of hoping for. And, you know, he, he is a great choice to keep leading this young squad of which he is no longer nearly the youngest member, which is surprising, uh, moving forward and yeah. kind of growing with them. And also big congratulations, as we were saying, to Travis Zajac participating in his thousandth game. It's not an easy milestone to achieve, and very few players have done it uh, while wearing the Devil's sweater for all 1,000 of those games. Um, so congratulations to him. He's someone that Devils fans will remember probably forever um, if you're, you know, you've been watching this team for a long time. And he's someone who has been such a stalwart devil, such a good example of everything the devils try to embody that um, it felt good. It's just a shame that they couldn't get a win for either of these two milestones, but we'll have to try again this week as the devils get back to action again, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. And again, it's going to be um, home to Buffalo. So it'll be back at the Prudential center on Tuesday. Then they'll go up to Buffalo on the 25th, which is Thursday. And then the Devils will play Washington, but both games will be in Newark, both in matinees, uh, 1 p.m. on the 27th and 3 p.m. on the 28th. Matinees. They've not been very good to New Jersey so far. They have one win in four uh, this year, or maybe more than that. One win in... No, they have no, they have two. They beat Boston, oh, they beat Boston on the 16th. That's right. Two, two, yeah, Sharon Govich's amazing last-second yep, yep. overtime goal. Yep. Um, they, that's right. The, the first one over the Islanders that was in the evening on the 24th. Um, they lost in a shootout to Buffalo on the 30th. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they got a point and then they beat Buffalo in the infamous January 31st game, five, three in regulation. Mm -hmm. So two, I'm, I'm trying to do math in my head here really quick. Uh, two, two and one. It's not terrible. It's not great, but it's not abysmal. Uh, but I think the quality of the opponent is going to be more important than the, um, than the, um, timing of it i will say in the favor of the game on tuesday buffalo does play on the 22nd they play in long island mm -hmm. so perhaps the devils will have the benefit of a tired out buffalo team on the 23rd but as with everything in this season you never know until you see it yeah so what we're looking to see 
uh, is some adjustments made to the special teams, obviously. Um, we'll look to see Blackwood get most of the starts next week and probably Dell to get one of the weekend games again, just in terms of a scheduling perspective. Looking to see if Palmieri can stay hot and Hughes can keep carrying the play because his line has been um, absolutely ridiculous since being put together, yep. him, Palmieri, and you can't Johnson. Get- yeah, you can't complain about the 14 pounds of extra muscle that has allowed Jack Hughes to keep piling up the points. If there's, you know, in addition to Severson and Smith, if there's a guy that you can't really point a finger at and say you're not pulling your weight, it's not number 86 Jack yeah. Hughes. He's doing the job. He's the big deal. These nicknames are better than the ones that PK Subban has <laughs> number, given him. Number 29 gets uh, excused as well, in my opinion. Well, yeah, he, he also had the day off in, you know, Washington. They literally gave him the day yeah. off. Wedgwood was the backup of record. Yeah. yeah. No, understood and understandable that um, he needs that time because if the Devils are going to play the way they did and allow the opportunities they did on special teams or, you know, even on 5v5, you're going to allow a goal every once in a while. But if the quality of opportunity looks like it did um, on special teams, and again, you're going to get scored on when you're down a man a lot of the time, but not this much. It should not be anywhere no. near this much, and it shouldn't take Vezina caliber goalkeeping to buoy that line above 60%. I'm not even asking for the league average here. I'm asking for 60% here, and it's ridiculous that they haven't been able to achieve that as of yet. So we'll have to see how the coaches address this moving forward. And one last thing I want to see is how this team bounces back from a losing streak. How does this team take the lessons they've learned this weekend in terms of playing, uh, you know, so many games in such a short time, fatigue is going to be a huge factor for these devils and really anyone else uh, around the league, but especially for a team that's this young and not used to this level of play for this consistent of a time. I'll have to see, how they bounce back and how they adjust to being fatigued, but also how they bounce back from a loss. So, um, yeah, again, good things to take out of the third period and the first two from third period against Buffalo and the first two periods against Washington. But unfortunately, they weren't able to put together a 60 minute effort in either of the two days and suffered two regulation losses because of it. But that all being said, there's still. Uh, They still have more wins than regulation losses, so that's good. And uh, we'll see if they're able to correct their mistakes against these same opponents for the rest of February. Right. And my final point for the show is that it's very – because of the compact schedule, it's very quick how just two wins in close succession can change your opinion to go, all right, this team is going to do some good things. And to be fair, we were saying the same things Thursday night after the Boston game because, you know – Going on the road and beating the Rangers after literally having half the team out with COVID uh, is impressive. And then going into Boston, of all teams, you know, the best team in the league, if not just the East, and beat handing them their first regulation loss, that's another achievement. And so we're thinking, wow, this is going to be great. And now, now they lost pretty poorly, thanks to the penalty kill on the 20th and the 21st, their last two games. Um you know, hopefully the Devils, we can have another turnaround and have a more positive feeling after the 23rd and a more positive feeling after the 25th. But it's going to have to come down to a better effort overall. It's going to have to come down to uh, better adjustments at the coaching level. You know, if Buffalo wants to start winging shots from the point willy nilly, maybe send a winger out to go after mm. them. Uh, you know, just just saying and uh, do anything to fix your penalty kill, like literally anything. Try a brand new scheme if you want, because the current one isn't working. Uh 
you know? Do something. Fix the issues. Do anything else. Yes. Do do anything that's not what you're doing now because whatever you're doing now is not working. And again, it's hard to be too upset considering the state of the roster when the season entered and some of the surprising results they've had so far. But because the expectations have been set higher, we expect more things from them. That's how it works. We have seen results that have been encouraging enough that they that we can say, okay, in five on five, there's they're pretty much even in the play, either slightly behind or just dominating. They're, they're really, really close in five on five, and they're really being let down by special teams to the point where no matter how much progress they make in that department, it won't lead to the results that we desire. Exactly. It's it's giving them more pain than what they can handle. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not it's we can't even say be more disciplined because again they're among the most disciplined teams in hockey right mm-hmm. now. So yeah, so that let's continue with the discipline as we see the Devils take on more of the same opponents, and hopefully next week's podcast has the same names involved or not next week's but uh, the end of the week's podcast has more of the same team names involved but. Uh, completely opposite results from what we got this weekend. So that's been our time on Garden State of Hockey. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back on Friday to talk through the next set of Buffalo and Washington games against New Jersey. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.